Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. You can find thousands of titles to download and listen to at any time. We recommend getting Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev so you can follow along as we make our way through the story. Visit audibletrial.com slash thepemberley to start your 30-day free trial. That's audibletrial.com slash thepemberley. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. We're excited to be back. With more chapters of Recipe for Persuasion. Well, just one chapter this time, but still. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, we're only talking about chapter four, but I find that the further we get into this book, the more I love it. Definitely. So before we dive into chapter four, let's talk a bit about the stuff that we've been watching and enjoying. Sure, I'll go first. I started watching Marriage at First Sight. It's on Netflix. I don't, I'm not into a lot of reality shows, but this is pretty interesting. It's basically a bunch of single who are fed up with the dating pool. I can relate to that. A team of experts and these three people basically interview 100 men and 100 women. They pick four couples, eight people to meet at the altar and then get married. Like (laughs) something they keep saying in the show is they're entering a legally binding marriage. And I'm like, that's (laughs) all marriage. That's I feel like it's kind of redundant, but I feel like they're just kind of reminding us like this isn't fake. This isn't The Bachelor. This is real. (laughs) It's not just like for TV. I find myself getting strangely into it. I I think I stay away from a lot of reality TV because, I mean, every show is different, but I feel like a lot of sort of love competition type shows, they try and find trash people. And I think that these are all very good people. And I I think they're all very relatable. And I'm like, no, I understand why it's hard for these people to find love. And so I sort of find myself rooting for all of them. The experts, not only do they set them up, but they're kind of there at the beginning to help them like ease into this crazy situation. That's pretty wild i mean it's good that you have like they have like a solid support system in a way mm-hmm. but it's still because also i imagine like someone as a contestant you get there and you're like i, I don't want to do this anymore i'm backing out so you have all these people who are like encouraging you to not back out for the sake of yeah. the show <laughs> but- well yeah and it truly i mean i think the reason they keep telling us like there's no backsies. The only way they can break up is to get a divorce. You know, it's Jeez. it's it's something <laughs> new to just enter a relationship already being a hundred percent in. Because normally there's like that casual time where you're like, let's see if I'm interested in seeing this person. And then once you're serious, it's like, do we stay serious? And there's none of that. It's just like you're in. You're, you're in. married. You're all, you're just committed. Yikes. And it's great because like the people who join the show, I think, are just like, I'm ready for marriage. I'm ready for mm. that commitment. So I will be sure to keep you abreast of what happens as they live their lives. <laughs> Excited to hear more. Which speaking of follow-ups, did you end up getting the Avatar comic book? Not 
yet. Oh no. No, trust me, I will let you guys know. Have you perchance started watching Avatar? I have actually. <gasps> oh my gosh, bury the I'm headline. Not far in at all, but I do enjoy it because I have been consumed by another show, which I will talk about. But Avatar is very good. I've reached this very specific niche of TikTok where I'm seeing a lot of Avatar things, so I'm very happy <laughs> to hear this because something that Yolanda and I do frequently is send each other TikToks that the other will enjoy. And it's good to know that I can finally start sending these to you. You're on the list. (laughs) Okay, good to know. (laughs) But what else have you been watching? I have kept seeing ads for this show called Love, Victor, which I had been planning on seeing. Love, Victor is a show on Hulu. This is set in the same world as Love, Simon, or the book Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda. If you enjoyed that story in that book, I think you'll love this show even more. It focuses on Victor and his family who just moved to Atlanta to the same high school as uh, Simon went to. He's trying to like figure out who he is too. Like he's still questioning his sexuality and he's still trying to figure things out. Meanwhile, you know, his family is also going through a little bit of their own drama, but it's set up very much so like a standard high school teen show, which is great. Like you have your main guy who's, or the main person who's the fish out of water. You have the best friend who's like super quirky and lovable. You have the girl he's interested in kind of or he's like he thinks he may be interested in is like the most popular girl in school but like doesn't really date and then her best friend is like the bubbly kind of materialistic girl so you have like all those tropes in motion and but then you throw in the mix the fact that there's also like this really cute guy at the school who is already out and he's gay and will Victor and him end up together that sort of thing so it's a lot of fun it is focused on like this Latino family the show is being run by Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger, who are like these two real young showrunners. They were the showrunners of This Is Us, and they've made sure to have Latinos in the writer's room, which is really awesome. Because the last really good teen TV show that I saw was Never Have I Ever, uh, yeah. which was also a very good one. But it's it's good to know that the hype is real for this one. I'll be sure to check that one out. Let's go ahead and dive into another romance, chapter four of Recipe for Persuasion. Like I said earlier, I'm loving all these chapters, but what's so interesting about this one is we get a flashback and we get more info on the Rajay family. Yeah, which we know, obviously, from the previous chapter that Ashna and her mother, Shobi, have a very strained relationship. They hardly see each other and barely talk to one another. So now we're getting more of that backstory of why did Shobi leave? And because all we know is like she left because she chose her career over her family, over wanting to be a mom. But we also don't know like the full story of what was going on. So that's where we will learn more about what was going on with Ashna's father. She idolizes her father and she really looks up to him. And it was like the most devastating moment of her life when um, he took his own life, like, or at least in chapter one for us when she was 18. And so chapter four opens with a flashback to when she's 12 years old. They're living in uh, the Bay Area and her parents are having an argument while she hides behind a curtain. He's drunk in this scene, right? And like he has had trouble with alcohol and it's put 
Shobi in this position where she's dealing with someone who has had this very entitled life, who has had so much just handed to him, and she's had to work for so much of it. So she is almost, she's getting to her breaking point of like, you can't be like this, and I'm the one who's like trying to do everything. Sure, he has a restaurant, but how seriously is he even taking it? So I think you get some of like what she was going through as well. Exactly. It sounds like they sort of came up with this arrangement where she can fly back to India for part of the year to do her work while he stays home and takes care of Ashna. I feel like that setup alone, you're like, oh, what a good father. He's staying home and he's taking care of his daughter. But it sort of says at the bottom of page 45, he says to her, you're abandoning your 12 year old again and you want me to have shame? At least I've never left her. And then Mm. her mom says, is getting drunk and passing out, not abandoning her. Her Baba has never left the country, but it sounds like he can't control his drinking and so he's binged enough that like he's passed out which is like kind of you know not the best decision to make (laughs) seeing this side of things you're like oh did ashna block out these sorts of things too when when thinking about the memory of her father which i'm like i'm sure she did because she's like always talks about him in like the greatest light and like as if he was always there and the most present but maybe she just like doesn't like to remember the bad parts which are her dad did have this problem and maybe he wasn't the best but he was someone who was there that's the biggest difference between him and Shobi which like this is where Shobi also brings up the fact that like she has to choose between career or family like she can't have both yeah and that's something that I feel like a lot of working women are put in where like you're seen as a bad mother if you go to work but also like sometimes you want to work and she's being put in this like really tough position in addition to that it also goes into the next page that it says that she's already chosen a life partner. We don't know the details, but it sounds like she was kind of taken away from that. She married Ashna's dad and there's resentment there as well. Yeah, which I'm like, that's this whole other drama we don't know about. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, because like it's the words are not just because I had already chosen my life partner, but because you and I have nothing in common, even without Omar. Put a pin in Omar because we don't hear about it for the rest (laughs) of the chapter, but I definitely want to know what went down there because it sounds like mom had her whole life planned out and then plans were quickly changed what's basically happening is he's trying to use ashna to manipulate her into staying because he's like don't you want to be a good mother to her you keep leaving her like he even says if i'm such a bad father then you should stay here and protect her from me like that's awful protect (laughs) her from me like you know i i think shobi's idea is like you should not have to be the kind of father where your daughter needs to be protected from you you know you should be the one looking out for her and the fact that he's saying i'm not going to change my drinking you should just stay so that I can keep doing that is not that great. (laughs) No, because even like as he's drunk, he's still telling her like, I love you. And you're like, oh God, this man is a mess. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, you can see how hard it is on Ashna because she's hiding behind a curtain the whole time. She's 12 years old. She basically sees herself as the kind of daughter that's not good enough to entice her mother to stay. And she's also not good enough to make her father want to stop drinking. And that's really heartbreaking because like, it's never the kid's responsibility to fix those problems. No, that's way too much on a kid. 
which is why um then we actually see that her aunt mina comes in to calm down the fight between shobi and baba and also then she goes up to check on ashna to like you good like clearly you heard everything like there was no hiding from that but like just trying to check in on her like i'm glad she has mina because like if there wasn't that person in ashna's life then like she would just have to kind of deal with all of this on her own but thankfully that since they do have family there mina is able to interfere into their fights and help at least calm them down or separate them yeah i think mina's main goal is as long as they're living under the same roof is just to convince them to love ashna more than they hate each other you know that's a really heartbreaking position to put your child in you know to make her feel like it's her fault that they're fighting and they have these problems that started before she was ever born yeah which we we learn about this a little bit later in the chapter but shobi and mina are actually really close but when it comes to matters of like ashna mina will always be more protective over ashna than shobi ever is (laughs) i I know that in this flashback everyone is younger but Mm -hmm. she automatically stands out as like the matriarch of this family you know because and we're gonna learn about this maybe it's like a good time to jump into um present day (laughs) present day jump to present day not only is she a great mother to her two kids trisha and yash but she also took in ashna when her father died when she was 18 she's like come live here so she has a bedroom at this grand estate called the anchorage and she's also taken in another cousin and then the grandma lives with that so she she just like she opens up her home to her whole family like there's nothing she wouldn't do for her family which i do like the glimpses that we get of the family of like real realizing just how wealthy they all are and how it's so strange and sad really that none of that has touched ashna because she is struggling so much but you actually looked up the town or the city that they live in right yep woodside this manor with a name the anchorage is in woodside which is like i feel like i'm just gonna refer to it as like the beverly hills of the bay area because it's like a really small municipality that's like just built for people with a lot of money it said in the wikipedia entry that it is like a horse community and that (laughs) that's the tipper (laughs) yeah that's what tells us what's up and also there's like a michelin star restaurant oh i wonder oh wait no because she lives she works in san francisco but i'm like maybe asha should work there and even mina was like a bollywood actress so she had her whole career before even moving to the states too so a lot of success yeah and i mean they also you know mina like she was close to shobi but she was her husband's sister. So they both come from like royalty. So she definitely continues to carry herself that way. The anchorage even like really closely resembles on the inside, at least the palace of where they came from in India. So she's just like, this is my life. This is my world. You all are very welcome to be living in it, but not in like a showy way. Like she just, she loves to be able to like, like she sounds like a really incredible woman. Which like she just happened to stop by. It seems like this is like a regular occurrence for Mina to check on Ashna. The last thing is like Ashna's mom called her and told her all about the Padma Shri and asking her to come to India. And that's when Mina's like, she asked you what? Or like, she's kind of like on guard a little bit about that. This is where Ashna tells her no, because I told her no. And because I'm going to be on this Food Network show. Uh, And it's funny because Trisha and China had actually asked Mina to ask Ashna on their behalf. But she was like, that's your problem. You you deal with that. (laughs) 
you girls work out your own drama. <laughs> yeah, so even she was surprised. Mina's surprised that, like, they pulled it off and she's going to be on the show. So we get a little bit more insight, too, of what Mina thinks about curried dreams because it's something that it seems like she doesn't think it's healthy that Ashna keeps holding on to it and it's not the best use of her time and resources. But at least she sees, like, okay, you know what? If this show is going to give you the clean slate, then do it. Maybe I think, though, her hope is, like, she'll go on this show, she'll get more opportunities, and then she'll go beyond the restaurant. But in Ashna's mind, at least, she's like, no, this is how I get, you know, the restaurant back up and running, really. And I even, like, there's this one sentence on page 54 that says, like everyone else in her life, Mina Kaki believed that Ashna's obsession with Baba's restaurant was unhealthy. Yeah. And I feel like obsession is kind of that key word in there, because it's not that they're upset that she's running her own business. It's that it is an obsession and it's like the only thing in her life and now she's getting to the age where like people are getting married and starting families and she's just like still obsessing over this restaurant. That's a good point because like the restaurant isn't rooted in her wanting to become a very successful chef or run a very successful restaurant. It's rooted in maintaining her father's legacy. So it's really nothing about her. It's still like back to her dad. Yeah. Her mom Shobi points this out the most aggressive Aggressively, and because it comes from Shobi, Ashna's really resentful of the attitude. But I do think that everyone just wants Ashna to be happy. And they think that, you know, she's sort of trapping herself in this very small life, this very hard life. But we're excited to move forward. She's basically come to the Anchorage to visit everybody and also let them know that she's doing the show. So we meet Minakaki, her aunt. Uh, a lot of other people are just hanging out. We get to meet a lot of the family. So everyone who's there are Aji who's their grandmother it sounds like this house just has like three stories in it and up upstairs is a suite that Aji and Isha share. So Aji's the grandma and she's just chilling up there and she complains that like she reminds everyone when the last time they visited was and it's always an exaggeration because Ashna it sounds like she goes like every week and she's like I visited five days ago and five days is a work week which is why that's the last time you saw me. Isha is her cousin who is also not Mina's daughter. She was in a terrible plane crash with her parents where they both died and she she came out having a lot of seizures. And so she's basically clairvoyant, which attracted a lot of attention and a lot of stress when they were in India. And it sounds like it's kind of subsided since she like stays close to home at the Anchorage. She does, she's very like keeps to herself, but she has clairvoyant powers, which I feel like is pretty amazing. Like those are some of the full-time residents yeah. of the Anchorage. Ashna, Aji, and Isha are all there with Nisha, who is... Mita's, it's a whole family tree. We I know, I feel like we need to draw it out. <laughs> yeah, we had to draw one ourselves, um, but it makes sense when you read it. Um, so Nisha is the wife of Mina's son, Yash. So I believe is like the brother of Trisha and he's running for governor of California. So Nisha is his pregnant wife and current interim campaign manager until they can find someone to take over because this apparently she has a history of miscarriage 
miscarriages and they are trying not to put too much stress on her so that she can just focus on staying healthy. Yeah, because it seems like Yash is a very particular person who can only work with very, like, very specific types of people. Trying to find a replacement for him isn't just like, and get the next campaign manager up and running. No, it's going to take a little bit of a process to make sure it's not someone who like tries to like overmanage him because, uh, you know, he knows his vision for the campaign. So he can't have someone who's just like trying to like simplify any because it seems like Yash too is like not someone who wants to simplify any of his politics. He's like, no, people will rise to where I'm at. Yeah. And so... Sometimes, like, a campaign manager will be like, no, but if you, like, break it down into, like, everyday terms or, like, you know, make it more, like, accessible or make it more, like, for anyone. And he's like, "Mm, no, I'm not going to do that. So (laughs) he needs a campaign manager who can understand that. Since... Nisha is pregnant. She can't do all like the traveling that comes along with being a campaign manager, which is then when Isha, the clairvoyant cousin, is like, don't worry, the person you're waiting for is almost here. She says that, but then she also reaches over to Ashna and like pats her hand too, as if that message is also for Ashna. I love that because we sort of, this is a nice chapter to set us up with like where the Rajas are coming from and like who Ashna's support system is. But we kind of like, you know, she comes in with the news that she's joining this new show and we still haven't gotten to the meat of the conflict, which was has sort of been hinted and certainly it says it right on the back of the book. So I feel like it's not a spoiler that Rico, her ex-boyfriend, is going to be the celebrity that she is paired with for mm-hmm. this we we haven't even got like we're not even there yet like she has <laughs> no idea and so i feel like isha's prediction is kind of uh, the closest thing we get to a big old hint that someone uh, is going to be re-entering her life or at least the person you're waiting for a lot of setup here but a lot of uh, good history too about where Ashna's coming from and her family and where she's at now and like you know the support system she has now and what that's all gonna lead up to really is uh, getting to learn more about who the man is and seeing how the TV show is gonna pan out too that's all gonna be very exciting so tune in next week we'll be discussing chapters 5 and 6 recipe for persuasion and we'll see what happens next <laughs>